lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Thursday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I'm Steve Dace. Aaron McIntyre is here with me, as is Todd Erzin. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to hear from you as well. Let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can take advantage of by emailing the program, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. You can like us on Facebook, where we lie to you there with our Facebook approved takes. You are just being flat out lied to in order to affirm the Facebook algorithm so we don't get totally banned there. So just assume that whatever I'm saying on Facebook is 180 degrees opposite of what I really think. Uh, We tell you a little bit more about what we truly think if you follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show, but then we really tell you what we think if you follow us and look for us on MeWe, Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Also, you can get clips of the show that are free to watch, free of censorship too. If you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Day Show. Right here from the jump, I want to let you know we are going to be all business during the first three portions of this program. Uh, there won't be any sort of witty repartee unless it just happens organically, banter about any other side subjects or anything of that nature. We'll lighten the mood a little bit at the very end of the show when we play three non-political questions. But in light of some of the things I have witnessed and some of the data that we have uncovered over the last few days, um, it is time for us to have a very – I mean, we, we try to have a very important conversation every day on this show, but today in particular – Uh, How important? I don't know how much of this will get posted on some of the social media uh, accounts by the time we're done here today. And I had considered saving portions of this conversation for the overtime. But frankly, I I think these are literal matters of life and death, both on an individual basis and then also uh, certainly on a systemic cultural one. And this is just a conversation that as many people as possible, I think, need to be privy to. But that is... Again, you know, you never know the day that you'll never be able to get access to our stuff except directly from us here on Blaze TV. And that's why we offer you discounted subscriptions when you go to blazetv.com slash dace, because the day could be coming. Heck, after today's show, it might be tomorrow uh, that you can't get this directly or, quote unquote, for free via big tech any longer. It's also why if you are listening to this a little bit later on as you're starting up, If you haven't done so before, or maybe you were contemplating it, might I suggest you pour yourself a bottle uh, or a glass, maybe a wine, because some of the things we're going to talk about today, particularly in this first hour, might put you on edge. And down in Argentina, they got vineyards up to around 9,000 feet, 90-point wine there, almost impossible to get this kind of wine here in the U.S. They come deep from the Andes Mountains, made by the same families for the last couple of centuries, and they also taste great. Uh, Notes of blackberry, dark cherry, leather, and smoke. We've talked about these wines before on our show. All three of us have tried them as well. Great for grilling season, great to pair with a steak, great to pair with calming your nerves, given some of the things we'll be talking about here soon. So if you want uh, great wines, uh, great Malbec wines from the third highest vineyard in the world, no promo code necessary, get 50% off right now. Not loaded with fillers, not inflated prices. 50% off right now today, no promo code necessary. When you go to patriotwine2021.com, again, that is patriotwine2021.com. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, 
Dr. Andrew Bostom, friend of the program, he will be joining us uh, about some data that came out from the Rhode Island Department of Health about natural immunity yesterday. He'll reveal that to us and break it down for us further. We mentioned it briefly on the program as it was breaking. He's going to give us, though, more details. Theology Thursday, we're going to tackle a question from a listener that I think quite a few of us are struggling with right now. So we'll go into that for Theology Thursday. But first, make sure you are paying very very close attention to Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by vaccines are magical and not at all broken. A roundup of some of the latest data on the vaccines. We'll start with this preprint study out of the University of Wisconsin. This study analyzed the viral load, meaning the amount of coronavirus contained in the noses in vaccinated versus unvaccinated asymptomatic people. The study found high viral loads in 212 out of 310 individuals who were fully vaccinated, about 68%, and a high viral load in 246 out of 389 unvaccinated individuals, or 63%. Further, the study found infectious levels of SARS-CoV-2 in 15 of 17, or 88%, of the specimens from unvaccinated individuals, and 37 out of 39, or 95%, from vaccinated individuals. In other words, this study found that vaccinated people not only have an increased incidence of higher viral load than unvaccinated individuals, they also have a higher incidence of that viral load being infectious than unvaccinated individuals. Then there's this new Research from Moderna, one of the vaccine manufacturers, who now says those vaccinated last year are twice as likely to get COVID-19 disease than those jabbed recently. An admission that their vaccine doesn't work. Moderna is using that new research in its push to introduce a third-dose booster shot. And now a thread from Steve on his home state of Michigan, who is now reporting 25% of its hospitalizations are of the fully vaccinated. The same data says just 0.02% of hospitalizations since January 15th were fully vaccinated, which suggests the vaccines in that state have lost at least 25% of their efficacy against preventing hospitalizations in just the past 30 days. In addition, 275 of Michigan's 1,043 fully vaccinated hospitalizations have occurred in just the last 30 days. The other 768 cases occurred between January 15th and August 6th, or 203 days. According to the Irish Times, 54% of those hospitalized in Ireland with the virus were fully vaccinated. New data from the Rhode Island Department of Health found that between July and August of this year, those with natural immunity to COVID-19 were 6.8 times less likely to be hospitalized regardless of vaccination status. And now to put this all into perspective, here's Joe Biden on September 9th promising to increase the supply of monoclonal antibody treatments, one of the few nonpartisan proven and effective treatments for those infected with COVID-19. Tonight, I'm announcing we will increase the average pace of shipment across the country of free monoclonal antibody treatments by another 50 percent. Now, the Biden administration has slashed the supply of monoclonal antibody treatment to Florida, Alabama, Tennessee, Texas, and other southern states because this administration wants a civil war, and their goal is to make as many of those who vote for their political opponents as miserable as possible. And finally, recording artist Nicki Minaj had her Twitter account suspended after she posted some concerns about the vaccines. So she went on Instagram Live and said this. You can't speak. 
for the fear of the mob attacking you. If that doesn't give you chills up and down your spine, this is scary. You should be able to ask questions about anything you're putting inside your body. We we can we ask a bunch of questions about about the most simple thing. Oh, how that how that glue work? Do that glue do that do that glue really um keep the wig down for how many hours? Oh, cause if I go in a pool and if I sweat it up and how that, but you can't just innocently ask a question about something going in your body. Do y'all realize that I remember going to China and they were telling us, you know, be, you cannot speak out against, um, you know, the the people in power there, etc. And I remember all of us thinking, oh, okay, well, you know, we understand and we respect the, the laws here and, and, you know, that it's so different where we live. But don't y'all see what's happening? Don't y'all see that we are living now in that time where people will turn their back on you? I'm not agreeing, but people will isolate you if you simply speak and ask a question. And that's what happened while we were away. To discuss seems like a good time uh, to uh, promote my Patriot Supply. If you want to make sure your family has food for the times that may be a coming, um, just like a year ago when we didn't have toilet paper, hand sanitizer, cleaning wipes, all right? Because um, apparently we had to go back to the ninth century. And now, who knows? Maybe the next time it might be food. Make sure you're prepared with their four-week emergency food supply from My Patriot Supply. Uh, it will stay fresh with proper storage for up to 25 years, and it provides breakfast, lunch, dinner, drinks, even snacks for a total of 2,000-plus calories a day. So you and your family will not go hungry. Delivered discreetly to your door to make sure you have the peace of mind to know that you are prepared for when it couldn't happen here happens here again. There's been a lot of things over the last couple of years we thought we'd never live to see here, and they kind of seem to be happening almost daily now. All right, so get the four-week emergency food supply for each person in your family with $50 off, $50 off right now when you go to preparewithdace, D-E-A-C-E, preparewithdace.com. There are so many things I want to say to you this morning that before we went on the air, um, I, I I mean, I was, you know, getting prayed up before today's show, just trying to make sure I would prioritize um, what they were, wouldn't ramble on. I'd get as much, um, I would communicate as much to you that I thought you needed to hear and to know um, as, as I could in the time that we have. I, let me start here. They're trying to kill people. I, I just don't know what other conclusion to draw. They're trying to kill people. And no, I don't really think it's far-fetched, folks, that think that um, children with heartbeats and fully developed in a womb can be torn apart limb from limb, that left hundreds of Americans behind in Afghanistan while importing 
at least 60,000 that they're admitting people from a country known to already harbor the worst of terrorists with no vetting whatsoever and place them down with their child brides and their in their Islamic radicalization, indoctrination and measles right in your neighborhoods. No, I, I don't think that's far fetched. If anything, I've shown a hell of a lot of restraint before just flat out making this claim. But I just don't know what else to say. There can be no hope, as Todd said last week. There can be no early treatments. Forget even hydroxychloroquine. Forget even your pumpkin-spiced ivermectin cocktail. We can't even have the big pharma solution that actually works, Regeneron. That's the monoclonal antibodies. We can't even have that. There can be no hope. Anything, anything, even if it lines the pockets of big pharma, anything that makes you and I independent of them, there cannot be. They want to kill people. What is your other explanation for why they have why they have rationed the monoclonal antibodies from the states suffering the current sunbelt wave that oh just so happened to vote for their political opponents? What other rationale could there be? Just a week after they promised to double the supply. You tell me, what is the benign, what is the innocent explanation for that? What is it? Because I don't have one. And some of you think I'm smart with the A. I don't have one for you. They're trying to kill people. The playbook here. Let's talk about that. What happened here is this administration was about to disintegrate over Afghanistan. Despite our clickbait, the truth is there might be too many people that would love America to completely dissolve in the Democratic Party. But despite our clickbait, it really isn't everybody in the Democratic Party. There's plenty of people that voted for Joe Biden, pissed as hell that they, that they were left behind, their loved ones were left behind, that we left anybody behind. That we gave them billions and billions of dollars. Because, you know, people that voted for Joe Biden, they sent their sons and daughters to go fight the Taliban too. And instead, we got 13 of our warriors killed and left the people doing the killing $85 billion at least worth of our military-grade weaponry and equipment. This administration was about to collapse because of this. It was disintegrating in real time. They needed a diversion. What's the diversion? It's not vaccine mandates. That's the name. But that's not the diversion. It's divisiveness. It's the diversion that these spirit of the agers always go to. In the past, we've called it race. We've called it gender. We've called it class warfare. But it's the same damned playbook. It's just now it's the vaccinated versus the unvaccinated. And this is always what these people do when their solutions prove again to not work and to be as every bit of disastrous as we warned America ahead of time they would be. So they deflect and they deflect to the most bitterly partisan, divisive content they can come up with. If you disagreed with Obama putting more people on food stamps than the total population of Spain, you're a racist. 
if you think it's a terrible idea to go out there and punitively tax and punish people that are the only ones capable of creating jobs. Wait, why you just uh, hate the poor. And if you don't want to see little baby girls torn apart limb by limb before they're born, you must hate women. This is the game plan. It's why he gave you the speech Biden did on this last week with that tone. It's the tone they always use. Every time. Except now they have a problem. See, when you've lost the likes of Nicki Minaj, when the regime's lost her, she's, she's, she's regime-approved entertainment. With her wet-ass girly parts. Bragging about drugging men. She's regime-approved entertainment. Regime-approved. So when you're losing her, When my mama, who's voted for one Republican in her damn life, God bless her, is texting me this morning when she sees a New York Times headline that shows that Israel is claiming that the boosters will last for people over the age of 60, as she is, for maybe, you know, 12 days. What is she texting me this morning? I'm not getting bleeping, bleeping boosters every damn bleeping, bleeping week. Not here. Not happening. And she hates Trump. See, the problem they have, though, is that the ongoing resistance and hesitancy to this, whatever this is, it's not a vaccination program, it is something else. This crosses a lot more partisan lines than stuff on race, gender, and class does. In fact, that's the stuff that actually often determines our partisan lines, that they've exploited successfully for decades. This is different. There's a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds with a lot of different views on Orange Man Bad or Cheeto Jesus Saves that are like that great gif with the WTF guy with the blonde mullet right now. And the data is bad. To put a finer point, Michigan now is giving us the best vaccine data in the country that I have seen because they're not just providing the cumulative scam that many of these states are, but they are com- they are now combining it with the updated real-time trend, so we can really see a long-term trend line now. Let me give you this trend. For approximately seven months, Michigan averaged hospitalizing a little bit more than three people that were fully vaccinated per day. In the last 30 days, Michigan has been hospitalizing over nine fully vaccinated people per day. That's not how this is supposed to work, guys. The University of Wisconsin, don't let the fact they gave Todd a diploma, don't hold it against them. They are considered a top 40 university in America. They examined about one third of Wisconsin's counties to get these samples. They didn't cherry pick anything at all. They were doing actual sampling. They looked at one third of Wisconsin's counties And what did they find? A very disturbing trend. At the very least, 
And understand, the lower the cycle threshold, the higher the viral load, because that means that's fewer attempts they need to make with your sample before confirming a positive. Let me tell you, I've been hesitant about saying this publicly. I'll say it now. I, I think if, if we don't figure out what's going on here for real, we're on the road to creating the actual fear and the realized fear of asymptomatic spread that paralyzed the country last year and has never, ever been true about, about respiratory viruses and isn't true about this one, by the way. That was the whole canard to justify lockdowns last year. I know some of you are emailing. I don't, you know what? I don't know a difference between a Cardi B and Nicki Minaj, and I'm proud to not know. So stop sending me your emails. I don't give a rip. Doesn't matter. Point's the same. See, the whole canard behind lockdowns and everything else last year was asymptomatic spread, that you and I would be healthy, get it, not know, and then go home and infect grandma and be grandparent killers. Just a lie. We looked at this data all over the world last year. The highest percent of asymptomatic spread we could find in any study was about eight. And often it was in the very low single digits. Because Anthony Fauci told you the truth last January, that respiratory viruses are not spread asymptomatically. That's why I got into Disney World last November with just a temperature check. That's the first sign of being symptomatic of something. Having a temp. The first obvious sign anyway. But we are on the road here. Ireland, folks, let me give you some context on those numbers from Ireland that Aaron mentioned. 88% of adults in Ireland fully vaxxed. That country is 139th in the world in population density. Man, if you can't, if you're a modern country and you can't socially distance to some degree in Ireland, I guess I just don't know where you can. 139th in population density. 88% of that popu adult population is fully vaxxed. Cases Cases the last two weeks compared to this time period last year in that country are up over 900%. Deaths in that country are up over 600% compared to this two-week time period a year ago. That's not how this is supposed to work. Something's not right. And my fear is we're going to actually realize the fears of asymptomatic spread, but we'll create them amongst the vaccinated if we don't figure this out. The trend lines are all bad. Here's what I think all of you in this audience need to do right now, today. Don't let, don't let today, the close of business, don't let it expire without doing this today. If you're not currently COVID positive, get yourself an antibody test and or a T-cell in your state if you can, or at least begin the process of making that happen. Find out right now, right away. Hell, tune out the show. It's a podcast. Go get the rest later. Everyone within the sound of my voice needs to know this information right now because the virus is worse than it was last year, and that's not good. The virus is worse I'm damn fortunate I got it when I did on the tail end of the original variant in the spring. It's worse than it was. Something's making it worse. 
And there's too many vaccinated people in hospitals, too many vaccinated people catching it. I can't tell you and even how many people in my own sphere of people I know around the country that are vaccinated that have tested positive or are symptomatic with this right now that I know or know of. Something ain't right. Now, over there in COVID stand, they know this. They know this at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. They know this at NIH, NIAD. They know this. They probably knew it before we did. That's why they're under the gun to get as many people vaccinated as possible to try to cover up this entire canard. They know they'll likely fail in that effort, so they'll just yellow star those of you that are unvaccinated and blame it all on you. Because they're not going to retreat in light of the news showing this isn't working. They're going to tyranny harder, harder, harder. That has been the MO this entire time. The more their solutions have proven not to work or not to work to the extent that they promised, as is the case here, or to even backfire, the harder they pressed down. This is evil, real evil. The likes of which fully manifested, I don't know I've ever seen in my lifetime, and I'm not sure we've ever seen in the history of this country. Because you have to juxtapose it with the amount of information we have, the amount of education we have, the amount of access to one another we have. We didn't have those things to the corporate degree that we do now in other eras. This is some real scary stuff. Find out today if you've already had this or not. Whatever else you have going on that's extemporaneous, after you're done with your work, getting the kids from school, what have you, there's nothing else on your schedule right now, I promise you, more important. If you don't know, then finding out if you've already had this, you need to know. Because if you have not, you need to make sure you are prepared for the fact the virus is worse now than it was a year ago. Be prepared. Something's not right. And these people are evil and they cannot be trusted. And they're trying to kill you right now with what they're doing with early treatments. You're just a fetus in the womb to them. You're just a woman who got mauled to death by an illegal alien this week, killed by her own country to them. That's all you are to them. If you do not empower them, you're, you're nothing. You're the nth, like what ISIS claims Christians are in the Middle East. You're the nth. You're nothing. Understand that. The Calvary's not coming. It's coming for you. It's coming for us. Understand that. I cannot impress this upon you anymore. I'll repeat myself again. If you've not been sure if you've had it or not, don't send me any more emails. I thought I had it in December. Nope, 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 nope. You need to know today. Because if you can't verify that you got it for sure already, prepare yourself for the possibility you will be infected and it will be worse than it was for anybody that got it previously with the other variants.
Frankly, despite the ominous data trends, you might even want to consider if you've been holding out that you probably do need to consider getting vaccinated if you've not had this. Because you're going to need more protection than what we needed under the previous variants. This, is, this isn't right. Something isn't right. More and more data comes in that shows the best immunity is natural immunity, and it's not even close. The Rhode Island data, it didn't matter whether those with natural immunity were vaccinated or not. They still had overwhelming amounts of more protection than those vaccinated who had not gotten the disease. We'll go into more detail that with that soon with Dr. Andrew Boston, both a medical doctor and a Brown University Ivy League researcher, epidemiologist. He'll relay these numbers and tell us what they really mean here in just a few moments. But please, I love you. I care about you. Do not let the sun go down today without knowing for sure whether you have really had this or not. Move heaven and earth. Outside of your daily responsibilities, there's nothing more important on your schedule than getting the answer to that question today. Hey, if you bought a pair of glasses, thrown them in the drawer, never worn them again, and then you were told, hey, go home, get used to your progressives, well, I've got help from our friends at Better Spectacles. They're now offering authentic German-engineered Rodenstock eyewear. For the first time here in the U.S., Rodenstock is a 140-plus-year-old company, considered the world's gold standard with over 500 patents. Uh, Ronald Reagan himself wore these. I'm wearing them, in fact, on the show right now. Uh, Their expert opticians specialize in difficult prescriptions and those who experience problems with progressives like me. And good news, technology is caught up to your prescription so they can help you. All right, so if you want to get some help, and they can handle your everyday regular prescription as well, go to betterspectacles.com slash Steve to schedule a teleoptical appointment. Again, that's betterspectacles.com slash Steve to schedule a teleoptical appointment. You don't even have to leave your house to talk to some of the best-trained opticians in the country. And they're also offering you a great introductory offer for being a part of this audience. 61% off their Spec lenses plus free handcrafted Rodenstock frames. 61% off. Take advantage of that today. Just visit betterspectacles.com slash Steve. Let's bring in uh, back on the program again, friend of the show, MD, Dr. Andrew Bostom, epidemiologist, researcher as well, Brown University. And it's good to have you back with us here. Uh, Dr. Bostom, how are you, brother? Hi, Steve. I, I couldn't help getting, I know it's out of context, but it really sounded funny coming from you. Problems with progressives like me. <laughs> <laughs> well played. Me. <laughs> you can't see that just goes to show you're not, you cannot slip one past the goalie when Andrew Boston is between the pipes. He catches everything. Okay. So doctor, I have to, before, I want to get to, we're going to spend all of our, the rest of our time on what you have uncovered from Rhode Island Department of Health there in your own backyard. Okay. But I, I want to ask a question and I'm hoping you can, you can, you can show me I'm missing something. So 
they have done everything they can to squash every early treatment. We, we No one really knows what the true data on hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin is because it's all been so totally politicized every which way. At this time last year, remember, the Lancet had to retract their, their hydroxy right. study for admitting that the whole thing was a farce, okay? So then we then then big pharma actually comes up with an effective early treatment in the monoclonal yes. antibodies Regeneron. They give right. it to the president last October, a month before it comes out in public. It gets the president out of the hospital. The data on it is very good. They do almost no promotion of it at all. Almost no one in the country heard about it until about a month and a half ago when Ron DeSantis began promoting it and offering it on a portable stand a portability status. Other states then began to follow it, particularly in the Sun Belt, where they're facing a huge wave right now. Alabama right now has its highest level of hospitalization since the end of January right now. I looked yesterday. Okay. So, uh, and last week the president decides, Hey, I'm going to get on board with this. We're going to double our monoclonal uh, antibody distribution here under my guidance. Uh, yesterday they, they, they announced the states that need it. Apparently <laughs> yes, started rationing it to the Sunbelt states that actually needed it. Um, right. That just, you know, a just coincidentally also happened right. to all vote for his opponent. Uh, okay. Andy, tell me, brother, Andrew, what is the innocent benign explanation for that? Uh, really? I, I, it's not, it's not, it's not a laughing matter. I, I, I mean, the, 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 um, the, the effectiveness of the, of the, uh, monoclonal antibody cocktails, particularly the uh, Regeneron, Casirivimab, uh, and Devimab, um, is 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 pretty striking. It, at least now, I mean, it, it seems to be working against Delta, and that's what we're dealing with now. If, if resistance, you know, develops down the road, they'll have to come up with another cocktail. But but right now, when when the Sun Belt is 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 being hit by this wave, although although it's it, it's actually coming down, but the, but the hospitalizations, you're right, Steve. The hospitalizations, the deaths lag. Um, they need it, and and it should be it should be pumped into the system. Um, we don't know enough about, uh, unfortunately, we should know, but we don't know enough about ivermectin. Um, uh, hydroxychloroquine looks to be very safe in the outpatient setting. Again, its effectiveness is still dubious. Uh, so here we have something that that there's really no debate about, in, in, you know, orthodox medicine, alternative medicine. Uh, it, there's a consensus that it's a very effective treatment, and yet it's not it, for for apparent. It seems like to me transparent political reasons. It's being withheld from you're right from states that didn't vote the, uh, for the Democratic Party. It's just it's 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 awful. Then let's. Because the rest of that conversation, I think, takes us both to a very dark place. So let, let's 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 go to what you uncovered yesterday. First of all, on a meta level, I, I think to push back successfully on vac vaccine mandates, I, 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 I hate to say this, I don't trust the constitutional argument because I just think a lot of people making these decisions don't care about the Constitution. Like Cheech, they're like Cheech and Chong. Isn't that it? Back on the bumper, man. They don't care. Okay. So I really think we've got to. I think we've got to win a medical ethics argument, meaning that do these things effectively actually thwart transmission to the to the point that it's even on a medical level ethical to even discuss it? So like in Ireland right now. 88% of the adult population fully vaccinated in the 139th most densely populated nation on earth. In the last two weeks, their caseload is over 900% higher than it was for this two week period last year, doctor. 
So right. Rhode Island, to me, I think I think to win this argument, we've got to reintroduce natural immunity, uh, which has saved the human species and race for thousands of years before we even came up with vaccine vaccine technology. We've got to reintroduce that to the name to the mainstream. Rhode Island had some interesting data on this that you uncovered yesterday. Can you share it with us and explain it? Sure. Uh, it was actually my my state reps, uh, my 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 house, the Rhode Island House representative. Um, Representative Chippendale and and my state senator, uh, Rep. Representative Dela Cruz. Um, I, I worked with them uh, since I was unsuccessful, really, in getting uh, these very very simple data, Steve. I mean, uh, and, and they were successful, and 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 it really came to them on a, on an Excel uh, document. Um, they had gotten an, an earlier iteration for July a couple weeks ago, and then they got uh, the the update yesterday for August, uh, so you could pool the data together, and it was very simple, Steve. I mean. It was infections, uh, you know, positive tests, hospitalizations, although they, they still refused to distinguish with COVID or, fr or, or from COVID, uh, and then deaths. And they actually have a sophisticated, uh, uh, well, relatively sophisticated distinction of deaths based on death certificate as the primary cause, a contributing cause, or test positivity. And of course, they have the data, but they wouldn't share those with us. So we have the, we have the raw data on, on hospitalizations, and deaths and infections for July and August. But what they did do, which was, which was very helpful, is they broke it down by fully vaccinated in one group versus everyone else, so partially vaccinated, unvaccinated, pooled. And they had a measure of, of prior infection, which they defined and they provided to us. And that was the truly, those were the truly unique data. So we could tell in all those groups, whether they were vaccinated fully or you know the rest of the population considered quote not vaccinated, further subdivided by whether or not they had a prior infection, and once you put in the prior infection data, and we had a decent amount of data at this point, 10,000 infections, roughly roughly 600 hospitalizations, uh, fortunately only 36 deaths, so it, it you know the wave. It was not hitting us in terms of of, of, uh, of significant amount of mortality. It is a small state, but what was striking, Steve, was that, um, and I looked at this in different ways because, after all, we don't have a denominator, a true denominator. We don't, in other words, we don't know the pool of people who had a previous infection, the pool of people uh, who were fully vaccinated. Although what I did is make some estimates, and I'll I'll get to that. Um, but but it was striking in that. Uh, for example, amongst the 36 deaths, while 17 of them occurred in vac fully vaccinated people, 17 out of the 36, only one occurred in a person who had a history of a prior infection. Um, similarly, for, for hospitalizations, uh, we're, we're seeling um, roughly 27% uh, uh, are occurring in people who are fully vaccinated in that two-month period. Um, but only about three to four percent are occurring in, in those uh, who have a history of prior infection, regardless of vaccination status. Um, and and same, same thing with infections. Uh, it's about three to four percent of those 10,000 infections that occurred in people with a prior infection, uh, I'm sorry, with a, with, a, with a history of prior infection, regardless of vaccination status, um, whereas about, it, it, it was close to about 30 percent were breakthrough infections occurring in people who are fully vaccinated. So, so then, of course, the argument, Steve, is that, well, you know, you know, so many people are vaccinated, you don't have appropriate comparison of the denominators. 
Well, I was able to make estimates from the Rhode Island Department of Health web website, and the numbers are pretty straightforward. It's roughly 700,000 people out of, the, out of the total population that have been fully vaccinated in Rhode Island. And if you look at the way the three waves came through, and at one point during the winter wave um, this past winter, we had, we had one of the highest infection rates in the world. It's a very densely populated uh, state. So I took an estimate from the, from the uh, proven positive cases of about 170,000. And I used the CDC multiplier. I used a conservative CDC multiplier. They, typically, CDC uses about 4.6. But Rhode Island is so test crazy, I felt that was not really appropriate for my state. So I said, OK, it's approximately three which means that we have about 500,000 or half the population that's probably infect, been infected at some level, mostly a lot of it asymptomatic, fortunately. And so if you now adjust for the background rates of prior infection and full vaccination, um, I did another quick calculation. And still, even looking at those background rates, um, if you had a prior infection, you're at about, again, for over the summer data, just July and August, your, your rate of hospitalization is, is one-fifth uh, the, that of people who are fully vaccinated, who didn't, and, and again, regardless of, 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 uh, of, of uh, considering, um, I'm sorry, considering, considering prior infection, regardless of vaccination status, just And this is July or people, August, so we're talking Delta variant so, ascendant here. That's right, yes. this is Delta variant yeah. data. So, so it's one-fifth the risk just on the basis of having a prior infection. And again, very small numbers, only 36 deaths, thank goodness, but it was one-twelfth the risk of, of, of dying from COVID, at least according to the way the state, you know, gave us the data and defined it, uh, if you had a prior infection, again, regardless of vaccination status. So, so clearly, if, if you're looking at any data that do not include information on prior infection, and I would argue every single state has those data because this is, after all, a reportable disease, then you're kind of just, you know, uh, sorry, pardon the, 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 pardon the vulgarity, you're pissing in the dark. I, I, I mean, you really don't know what's going on. And if anything, these are the, the people with a prior infection. And again, this is a crude, just, you know, simple, is there a history of a prior infection, a positive test? Not antibody testing, not T-cell testing. It's a very crude marker. If someone has, particularly a healthcare worker, has a history of, of prior infection, how dare you discriminate against them and, and order them to be to have a vac to, to be vaccinated against their will? It's just it's just uh, it, it's just unconscionable. Doctor Boston, before we let you go, what's the benign, innocent explanation for NIH, the NIH NIAD uh, industrial complex continuing? to deny natural immunity. Anthony Fauci said on CNN last week he couldn't answer the question as to why someone with uh, with natural immunity should go ahead and still get vaccinated. He said on MSNBC this week he doesn't know what herd immunity is for COVID-19. How? Why would we cede control of our lives to somebody who cannot answer for us two of the most fundamental questions of any pandemic in any era of all of human history? Why? Right. We, we, we shouldn't do that. And, and I, I don't think there's a truly benign explanation for this, Steve. I mean, they, they go from sinister to just being stubborn. Um, you, you know, so because because this was not, if you look at CDC policy pre-COVID, if you look at US Army uh, policy pre-COVID, uh, there were very clear uh, guidelines uh, that accepted prior infection for various other diseases, anything from from swine flu for CDC's guideline during uh, you know the H1N1 flu from 2009 to 10, if you had gotten infected in the first wave, 
um, the, the recommendation was you didn't need to be vaccinated uh, you know, when the second wave came through. Um, and similarly, the, the Army had a sort of a blanket policy that if you could demonstrate uh, um, a prior infection for a whole gamut of diseases, you 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 could you could uh, you, you could um, use that as an exemption for for being vaccinated. So you know th- th- there's a very there's a, there's got to be some sort of a sinister twist to this without getting you know too paranoid. Something's going on that's not right. Dr. Andrew Boston, MD. Brown University, epidemiologist. Good, Thank you, Dr. Boston, for being with us again. Appreciate it, and uh, keep bringing that data. It's very, very important, brother. All right, take care. Take care, Steve. Bye-bye. All right. Todd and Aaron, uh, my apologies. Uh, you guys uh, have been uh, quieted for too much this hour. Uh, I'll make it up to you next hour, I promise. But uh, any thoughts you have before we close out hour one here? Well, I'm full on Mel Gibson in conspiracy theory conspiracy theory on all of this now listen i you know my background on this before we had ever heard of a covid but folks listen china brought this to us and now nancy pelosi is is it was just interviewed talking about yeah i know they executed some uyghurs and stuff but uh, this is really about global warming and working together and that ihme model that scared the hell out of everybody was put together by a bunch of global warming cultists. Folks, Steve was right at the beginning of the show. They think humans are cockroaches, and they are trying to exterminate us. It's that it's in the movie Independence Day, but it's not aliens doing it to us. It's people like Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden. Wake up. You know, it, it, the notion that things like this were done out of political convenience or out of trying to dodge a story or cover up a story like Afghanistan, which I still maintain is a distraction to this administration and not a problem. There's a big difference. I used to think the notion that politics was just being played was comforting. Not with these people anymore. Because when politics is played, you know what? There's... So to some degree, it's kind of a murky, not really, uh, not really a zero-sum game. It, 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 the, the politics is like a virus. You know, the political process in this country is like a virus. It's just kind of the deep state just kind of is there to exist and persist. These people, though, they not only are playing politics, they also see it, uh, they see this entire narrative as a zero-sum game. And the people who see this as a zero-sum game for whatever interest, whether it's self-pride or whether it's trying to perpetuate some of the institutions that have lied to you and, and cover that up, they are the ones in, in full possession of the levers of power right now. It's very, very scary. It's very, very scary. But we're not allowed to be afraid. So there's that as well. Theology Thursday will tackle a question a lot of us are wrestling with at the moment. Next. We're back with Hour 2, live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here, still in the waspless, yellow jacketless, adjunct, ad hoc studio. Man, I just stuck my head back there during the break. It is so much cooler back where you guys are, Todd and Aaron. And you haven't seen any bees for a couple of days? Not a one. 
Not any of those, no. Oh, oh gosh. I'm losing my resolve, man. But I, 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 I vowed I'm giving it this entire week to make sure but I'm dying to be back there in the comfy confines. We also want to hear from all of you. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at SteveDace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Uh, like us on Facebook, where I will lie to you with uh, regime-approved narratives with hashtag Facebook-approved takes. You can also find out what I really think by following me on Twitter at Steve Day Show or MeWe Parlor Gab and Getter. Look for me there. And then look for clips of the show that are both free to watch and then free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. And thank you to all of you that like the podcast. We appreciate you so much, especially those of you that have left us five-star reviews or hit the subscribe or follow button on your podcast platform of choice because you've played a huge role in the growth of the show. So thank you. And if you're a podcast listener and haven't done those things yet, please consider doing so. You know, you've got a million reasons to be stressed out these days, but stressing out about your male pattern baldness and receding hairline no longer has to be one of them because the good news is the Keeps can help by offering the same doctor-recommended FDA-approved hair loss treatment, but they're going to offer you the generic versions, so you only pay about half of the cost. It is a great deal as is a great convenience because it's all done online. You just answer a few easy questions, snap a few pics of your hair, and then a licensed doctor will recommend the right prescription treatment for you. And it's shipped directly to your door. So you get to the generic versions that save you money. You get the convenience of doing it online. And then we save you more money to get you started with a special discount. Keeps.com slash grow. K-E-E-P-S is where to go to keeps.com slash grow for 50% off your first order of hair loss treatments. Again, that's keeps.com slash grow. For Theology Thursday this week, our topic comes from Leah Arwood. And, and maybe it's just me. And so I, I really want to address Leah's question, because what, what Leah is going is to ask us about is something I am really struggling with right now. I mean, I, I, you know, anybody who knows me will tell you, I don't need a lot of help getting there from a, let's whoop that ass perspective. Like Clay Travis has this video that he's tweeted out of this guy in a mask following a woman around while he's bragging about I'm vaccinated and my wife's a doctor stalking her in a target for not wearing a mask. I'm just going to say it out loud. That dude needs his ass whooped right there, right there, right there. And that is the kind of thing you want to know what triggered looks like. If I saw something like that, I absolutely would have intervened right then and there. I couldn't have helped myself better for worse. I, I don't need any help getting there. I don't need much help. The problem is, though, that I have a belief system that says, Practice an, an immense amount of self-control before you get there. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> on the other hand, you know, the world's in the shape it is in because a guy named Adam just stood there one day and didn't do a damn thing. Just, just I got nothing for you. Nothing. Didn't do, didn't do anything. Didn't take initiative. Didn't act. So I don't need encouragement to take initiative or act in such situations. I probably need encouragement that 
action that you would like to take is not required in this situation, so practice more self-control. Now, maybe that's just me and the way I'm made up. But what Leah is going gonna, is gonna to ask us about is something I am struggling with mightily right now. Leah writes, I am finding it increasingly difficult to not view some of my fellow Americans, and I'm talking about people in our communities, not politicians who have always been slime, but viewing even people in my own community as my enemy and therefore treating them as such. Whether they know it or not, they are an enemy of liberty, my bodily autonomy, and my way of life. To me, I only see two sides, and my flesh, to me, I think this, what they believe just needs to be eradicated without prejudice. And at this point, I would not hesitate and can feel my heart is, is getting hardened towards such people. However, God tells us to love our enemies and to pray for them. What does that look like in today's times? I know that, I know that does not mean you just lay down and, and let your way of life dissolve. Biblically, we know there is a time and a place for drastic action, but I am having a hard time reconciling how to be one or the other right now, how to feel and how to act. The church is very lacking on teaching. Full stop there. Not just this topic, Leah. Every single topic. You could just write this sentence. The church is very lacking on teaching. That's just corporately true on every topic. But especially when it comes to confrontation, the church doesn't want one. That's why nefarious is on the march. The church doesn't want any confrontation systemically, doesn't want one. And so since that's my fear, is that if we do not battle this out in the spiritual and political arena, we'll end up battling it out in our streets. Because I, I know the spirit of the age forces pushing this agenda would love that outcome. They don't care who wins or loses. They would love it. They want it. They desire it. As Aaron pointed out in his montage, they are openly provoking it. Leah writes, the church is very lacking on teaching us practical application of these things, and I'd love to hear all of you guys' thoughts, all three of you. You guys are all three in my prayers. Please keep up the great work. So, Let's let's start with let's start with a few major points. God is love, but love is not God. God determines what love is and what it is not. It is and if, if you look at the way love is materialized and manifested in the scriptures, it is not a tone of voice. It is, it can be, but it's not exclusively that. See, what we have a tendency to do is if I'm a screamer and a yeller by nature, I, I look for the verses where where God is clearly angry and communicates that angry anger, and I justify myself and the way I want to behave with those examples. 
I mean, this is this is what we do in our total depravity. We even do this in our converted state. We we look to still affirm ourselves. That's why we have to die daily. That's why we need accountability. That's why the discipleship and the sanctification process doesn't end until the last breath you draw on this mortal coil. The flesh wants what the flesh wants, and the heart is deceitful above all things. If I'm a passive person, if I'm a peacemaker, then, you know, um, a, a polite, melodic tone of voice is a sure sign that what's being communicated to me is loving. God is neither just imminent or transcendent. He is imminent and transcendent. We can't be that. We're human. We're in one state or the other. He can exist in both simultaneously. And so how do we reconcile the same Lord that on the Sermon on the Mount commanded us to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, who died for his enemies while we were enemies. That's all of us, us, even those of us that are now converted in recognition of what Christ did for us. But we were his enemies and he died for us. On the other hand, some of the harshest, most condemning language in all of the Bible are messages that Christ delivered to the cultural leaders in the New Testament Gospels. In the book of Revelation, Jesus refers to himself as the ruler of God's creation. And the prophet says when he sees Christ return, it will be with a sword in his mouth and a robe dipped in blood. He is coming to wage war. The first time he came was in humility. We could not get to heaven, so he brought heaven to us. A baby born in the most humble of means, born out of traditional Jewish wedlock to an unwed, impregnating an unwed Jewish woman, born literally in a barn, in a stable, in a literal barn. God with us, Emmanuel, human with us, suffering with us, struggling with us, hungry with us, thirsty with us, needing to relieve his bowels, and his bladder with us, needing sleep with us, sweating with us, then bleeding for us. But that the next time he returns, it won't be in humility. It'll be in majesty. And it'll be to open a can and to settle accounts once and for all. The first thing we've got to do, I believe, in, in, in answering this question, Leah and all of you like Leah and myself struggling with this, is try to remove our own personality preferences from the matter as much as we can. Because we're going to want to justify our feelings. We're going to want to justify them. And instead, we have to be justified by truth rather than looking for justification for our feelings. Now, feelings and emotions are not bad. 
feelings drove Jesus to weep for Lazarus. Feelings of loss, mourning. Feelings of anger drove Jesus to drive the, the criminals, the commercialists out of the temple to cleanse it. But, but feelings and emotions without a filter is when we get ourselves into trouble. So first, let's start by trying to remove as many of our own emotions and feelings as we can. And instead, let's, let's look at our motivations. Our motivations. The, pro, the, 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 the Joshua challenges the people to choose this day whom you will serve. What are our motivations? Are we serving ourselves? Are we serving our emotions and feelings, which is another version of ser serving ourselves? Or is this reaction driven by service to our Lord? Now, I will say that mercy triumphs over judgment. The scriptures are very clear about that. So therefore, heart, God's heart inclines towards mercy. But make sure we don't overinflate that. Because while it says mercy triumphs over judgment, it doesn't say mercy cancels judgment. See, one of the ways mercy triumphs over judgment is through what Christ did for us at the cross. But the time is coming, and who knows, given what's going on in the world today, may soon arrive when those who have rejected what Christ has done for us will learn that mercy could have triumphed over judgment, they rejected it. So the judgment is not canceled. They will receive their reward in full, what they asked for. They will receive. You will reap what you sow. Do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. We will always reap what we sow. You're watching the laws of sowing and reaping cosmically playing out right now, almost every news cycle in America, in fact. I have to check my motivations all the time. I have to pray all the time, Lord, help me to finish my race. Lord, help me to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. Let me be led by the Holy Spirit, not by myself, my instincts, my emotions, my feelings, my ideas, my thoughts. If I don't do that, I can always tell when I haven't done it in too long because I revert back to being led by those things. And there's a way that seems right to us as people, but in the end, it leads to destruction. So, Leah, Jesus died for your neighbors that you're struggling not to despise, just as he died for you. God's heart inclines toward mercy, but it doesn't, it doesn't rest there. Because even, even Jesus said to his disciples after dying, as he was about to die for those that were his enemies, hey, if they reject it long enough, just kick the dust off your sandals and move on. 
This isn't like some infinite amount of mercy. It inclines towards mercy. Mercy is the, is the winning denominator here. But it's not infinite. I mean, there are, there are souls in hell as we speak. There will be souls in hell tomorrow and the next day. So while mercy triumphs over judgment, it doesn't cancel the judgment. There is a judgment. I have to remember that no matter how angry I could possibly get, I could not conjure up any level of retribution that comes close to what God's divine judgment enacts. Let me give you an example from my own personal life many, many years ago, early in my broadcasting career. My first sports talk radio job, and it was a very difficult time for all of us. It went into a receivership, which is bankruptcy. And a guy that um, was a mentor to me. Now, later in life, before he passed away, we reconciled. He'd come hang out at the house, and I made sure to bury that hatchet and to reconcile with him. But him and I were very close, and then he got put in charge, though, on an interim basis and had to make some really difficult decisions, including who to fire and lay off every week. And this, this really created a very stressful environment, and frankly, I didn't think he handled it very well. And I might have even been right, but I provoked him. He then came over the top rope on me, fired me during a commercial break, and then put me back on the air with the intent of hoping that I would make a fool out of myself so he could then justify it because I had the highest rated show on the station. Luckily, I called another mentor of mine because I was going to do that because <laughs> I was hot. I called another mentor of mine who talked me off a ledge, and that saved my career. It, it would have been aborted very, very early in its infancy had I not taken that advice. I'd never be here today. I'd be doing something else now. A year later, I was working at another sports talk radio station. Actually, this is only about a few months, about eight months later. And things were going well there. And then they came in and told us out of the blue, hey, we've actually sold the station to a Christian media company. Um, Salem Media, where I ended up actually being nationally syndicated years later. Um, but uh, uh, so you guys are out. Have a have a nice life. Thanks. Uh, we, our last day on the air is in a few weeks, and we'll give you all 30 days severance. The, the next day after this hit the papers was Iowa Football Media Day, and I was scheduled to be there to go cover the team. And I wake up that morning, and there's an article in the paper and so this is before my old radio mentor who had fired me at my previous job. Before we, Let's just say this is well before we reconciled, and he lit me up. He lit me up like a Christmas tree in the paper. I'll never forget the words. I'm not the brightest bulb in the chandelier. I'm an overrated talent. I'm not all that. I'm not even that good. People don't like me. And I mean, these were all quotes in the paper. Just destroyed me. It was so vicious that as media, right before media day got started, a guy comes and sits down next to me, puts his arm around me, or puts his arm on my shoulder and says, hey man, I read the paper this morning. I want you to know I've been there. I turn around. It's Iowa football coach Kirk Ferentz giving me a pickup. Okay. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I read that in the paper, man. That was brutal. He was coaching me up, all right? 
man, was I hot. Man, was I angry. I was in my very first men's group, though, and the guys were like, you, you just, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. And ultimately, you know, uh, the best radio company in the state called me a few days later, and the rest is history. So I let it go. I let it go. I didn't let them get over on me twice. I just did the best job I could do, tried to learn from the mistakes I did make that maybe earned some of that reputation. I mean, not it, some of it was my fault. I can't say it was 100% the other guy's issue. Some of it's my fault. I contributed something to this. I'm a sinner. I'm human. So take responsibility for that and own it. So I did. I tried to be a better, not just broadcaster, but person at the next job. And man, they mocked us. When we went out to the, the, our last day on the air, my old job that mocked me in the paper, they played the most annoying Christian music of all time to mock us. And they were laughing at us live on the air. One year later, and I mean one year later on the exact day, I stayed up late in my basement listening to that, my very first radio job that fired me and then mocked me and trashed me. And then mocked us for switching to Christian programming. And I listened to them as they signed off at 11.59 p.m. One year to the day, folks. I kid you not, one year to the day. And they signed off at 11.59 p.m. to announce that they were now switching to Christian programming. And those stations have been Christian programming in this community ever since. In fact, they've grown very popular my very first co-host here on the on our syndicated show, Jen Green, when she left here in order to spend more time with her family, she took a job with them being their local morning host. And the show's very successful. So now she's home the rest of the day with her family. But I listened to this exact same station that mocked us, made fun of us, scorned us for switching to Christian programming and pretending to be all high and mighty and we're overrated and I'm not that good and I'm not the brightest bulb in the chandelier. And one year later to the day I tuned in and I listened to them sign off forever. In fact, they were bought by the very school that Aaron ended up being college educated by. <laughs> Talk about a small world. I learned a very, very important lesson that day. Now I have unfortunately plenty of times in the last 15 plus years since that moment, forgotten it and let my anger get the better of me. But I was taught a very important lesson on what vengeance is mine means. We have every right to defend ourselves and our children, but the word there is defend. Our faith, defend. We don't have every right to offend. We don't have every right to attack. We don't have every right to invade, but we have every right to defend. And I'll leave it there and let Todd and Aaron come in on the conversation. Gentlemen, your thoughts. All yours, Aaron. This was not the right day to have this conversation. <laughs> That's why I picked it. Which, is, which means that it was the perfect day to have this conversation because this morning, I mean, the very suburb that our studios are located in this morning you probably heard of the, the account libs of tiktok they propagated and it went viral uh, i think really last night and into this morning um this woman ostensibly a school board member somewhere in iowa 
who just could not look more happy, just more overjoyed, that because of some federal judge, she gets to muzzle children again. And found out that this woman actually is on the school board of the very school district in which our studios reside. Um, these people really are. The spirit of the age has manifested really everywhere. Really everywhere that you can think of. I don't care how red of an area that you're in. It, it, it has manifested within the hearts and minds of your neighbors everywhere. I think to sum up, to sum up kind of my thoughts, still, still and yet, we need to always, always, always be prepared for a confrontation. Always be prepared for a confrontation. That's different from going out and necessarily looking for one all the time. There are times for that as well, but all the time, not, not necessarily. The way that that manifests, though, in our thinking is that you still need to look at that probably, let's just say, that idiot in Costco with the mask. Not necessarily bothering you, just walking around with a mask. Um, I have a difficult time when I'm walking around in stores and I see people my age walking around with a mask. Um, I have a difficult time saying, you idiot. You idiot, because that's just become the talisman, that's just become the symbol. Um, and that may be very well true, and it's 99% of the time, it's, it's true that they're just maybe, they're just sheep. That doesn't mean that we need to necessarily go around all of the time, just looking and, and thinking about our neighbors in that way, primarily. They may be a sheep, yes, 99 out of 100 of them may be a sheep, but there might be that one who, you know what, um, may be open, may be open to hearing what we have to say if we really do have the good news. And so the, the, the point is, primarily, as hard as it may be, we have to force ourselves to look at people as the lost sheep that they are. Now, that manifests itself in different ways. Sometimes it's get behind me Satan. Sometimes it's children of the devil. And sometimes it's just kicking the sandals off and moving on. But every now and then you might actually find one. Find one who just needs to be brought, up, brought back into the fold. That's so difficult to think <laughs> about on days like today. Well put, brother. Very well put. Uh, you want to chime in on this really quick, yeah, Todd, I'm before in, we get out? I'm in two places with this. I very much understand why uh, God commanded uh, the Israelites to uh, wipe out Canaan. I mean, I get it now. Intimately, I get it. But I was called by the Holy Spirit just last week. This, this local failed... Uh, progressive journalist who now lives in his mom's basement basically just um but he at least he puts his name on it unlike a lot of the anonymous trolls but uh i had a moment where i i did try to reach out and minister him via social media because it's his pain is just so obvious 
Uh, and I, uh, there's a lot of uh, reason to crack back on him because he's so full of lies. But in that moment, in that day, I spent some time trying to minister, and I haven't heard from him since. I don't think he's canceled his Twitter account, but he certainly hasn't come back at me. So I, you, you need to hear that still small voice uh, and let uh, the increase be God's. It's These are challenging times. You're never going to have the question that you just asked Steve erased by anything we said. This hmm. is God's to command. Just do your best to be faithful. Uh, learn from every action and, and reaction and go on and do the next day all over again. So this has been a, uh, a fairly heavy show here so far today. Um, and of course we are, uh, we are in the midst of some very, very heavy times as a people. And, and so our content reflects that. Uh, when we come back after the break though, we'll take a, a deep breath and uh, try to lighten the load up here a little bit before we sign off with Aaron's three non-political questions. And also figure out if, if we can get an answer why Todd is sitting in Des Moines, Iowa, doing a hat, doing a show in an Arkansas Razorback hat. All right. That and more here next. I think, you know, I, I brought the pain enough here today. How about some good news? How about one of the best tasting snacks you're ever going to try, which also happens to be a protein bar that also happens to taste as good, if not better than a lot of the various candy bars on the market with a, an incredibly lower amount of calories, a lot lower sugar, a lot lower fat, a lot lower carbs. So it fits into any healthy lifestyle you're trying to live. And yes, even though it's a protein bar and it tastes great, other protein bars taste good too, but not this good, but, um, easy on the tummy. And you can mock me for saying that all you want. That is important nowadays. All right. So, uh, what would check every one of those boxes? By now you know, right? I can't stop singing the praises of Built Bar and and the everyday flavor. If you like chocolate-covered coconut, like a Mounds Joy, the coconut bar there, phenomenal. Cookies and cream, one of their most popular daily flavors. I love that one. I love mint brownie, you guys know, especially with Christmas around the corner. I love chocolate mint stuff. Cherry Barcia. You know, my grandmother, God rest her soul, loved chocolate-covered cherries, I don't know how she stayed 90 pounds her entire life. That was a food group to her, okay? <laughs> and uh, and she would have loved the Cherry Barcia. And then there's the specialty flavors, like the chocolate chip cookie dough. I'm going to have one of those in my lunch after the show here today. So if you want to give Built Bar a try or you want to try it again, use my last name, Dace, as your promo code. You will not regret it, and you'll save 15% off. D-E-A-C-E, that's how you spell it, to get 15% off when you check out at Built.com. Again, that's built.com. Before we get to three non-political questions, Todd, I, I'm, I'm guessing there's a lot of people in this audience wondering why here in suburban Des Moines, Iowa, you have been sitting down doing the show wearing an Arkansas Razorback hat all morning long. Do you have something to tell us, brother? The verbal commitment has happened. Uh, my oldest, Ainsley Erzin, has committed to Ooh Pig Suey. The University of Arkansas offered a uh, scholarship to uh, run track and uh, play soccer. So the voyage, it started a lot. And she, God bless her, uh, she uh, went uh, online after this happened. She 
surprised uh, my wife and I with this kind of swag uh, because that was her way of saying thank you. Uh, it was January before COVID when uh, we took a drive, her and I and her coach, down to Fayetteville, Arkansas to go to an indoor high school track meet. And uh, she uh, ended up uh, winning one of uh, the 800 and second place in the uh, 1500 to a girl two years old in there, already committed to a different SEC school. And there, after the races, was waiting uh, Coach Harder, uh, the coach of the defending national champion, Arkansas Razor Rex, and gave her his card. And I was like, are you kidding me? This was going to be a fun trip. but And so now it's culminating in this. And uh, it was just a couple of weeks ago when I wasn't here Friday, and I was down there for uh, with Ainsley for her official visit. And Coach Harder was talking about why he chose her over other apostle uh, candidates. He says, well, I have all kinds of spies in a lot of different places across the country. He's been there for 32 years. He's kind of like the... Bobby Bowden of the sport. I mean, he's a legend mm. already. And he said, well, I, I've talked to a lot of people I know in Iowa, and they said, first of all, you, you're a heck of a competitor, and the fact that you're doing this in two sports makes that abundantly clear. But he said, secondly, and here is the proud dad moment, he said, all those other people say you're an even better person. So, mm. um, like I've said before, you know, it, Aaron's just getting involved in this. Uh, Steve's cup running over with his, I mean, the independent woman, he, uh, oldest daughter he has, uh, the gift she has. She's she, she's running a business with one side of her brain, and she's starring in acting roles. There's nothing unique in any way, shape, or form about me getting to tell this story. All of your children are wonderful and created in the image and likeness of God. And all I did was try to pay attention to that from the moment I said the prayer when my daughter got baptized to this very day. How do I not screw this up, God? <laughs> and um, to him goes the increase. Uh, and that's why the show, everything we've done, we're going to be silly here for the next uh, uh, part of the show. But why were we so serious about this? Because, damn it, we have to do everything we can to give our kids the same America that le- we loved growing up in, yes. and their kids. We have to. Yes. And we're not right now. And there's a lot of enemies at the gate that are trying to destroy it. And so about, yes, try to show as much mercy as possible, but this is a time for great justice. Mark my words. We we take these stands so that we can have these moments and stories to tell and moments to enjoy, just like what you just shared. So... What a phenomenal accomplishment, both for Ainsley, but the entire Erzin family, her siblings and her parents. Everybody's got to sacrifice quite a bit for uh, for this level of an achievement. And you do, uh, too, just, Steve. You have to hear about soccer. And I know that's hard for you. <laughs> I have to somewhat treat it as a legitimate pursuit now. OK, but uh, no, I, I'm just beyond um, ecstatic for you guys and the entire family, dude. What a what an extremely very, very cool, uh, very, very cool uh, moment and achievement and well-earned and deserved. Thank you. Folks, we've been talking about Rough Greens here for quite a while now. You know, it's that powder that you sprinkle into your pet's food. And with that one simple act, you fortify your dog's food with a lot of the nutrition, the vitamins, minerals, nutrients, etc., probably stripped out of your pet's food when the food left the store for the same reason they strip it out of ours for mass distribution and consumption. That's why we take so many supplements these days. But now you have one for your dog, but you might be wondering... 
How do I know for sure my dog will like it? Well, here's one way you'll find out. How about we give you that first 14-day Jumpstart bag? We give it to you for free. You just pay for the shipping. But the bag is on us to see if you don't see a difference in your pet in two weeks or less and if they like it. You want to take advantage of this offer, just go to roughgreens.com, R-U-F-F, for roughgreens.com, or give them a call at 833-ROUGH-DOG. And now it's time for three questions. We all have questions. Who am I? Why am I here? Where am I going? Who am I? A search and a question of identity. Why am I here? A question of meaning and purpose. Where am I going? Question of destiny. Some better than others. What sort of morality or proto-morality would you expect to find in a chimpanzee troop? Injecting some levity into the demise of Western civilization. It's three questions on the Steve Day Show. Which, no matter what he says, I did not outsource to Blaze Media's Chris Pandolfo earlier this morning. (laughs) Apparently, I didn't look at today's rundown. And I forgot to come up with questions. Or I, I'm sorry, I remembered to come out with questions because I looked at today's rundown and I didn't come calling to Chris to help me out. Question number one, what was the best live sports event you've ever attended and why? Um, man, I mean, the best from a father perspective was taking Noah. The only time I've had a chance yet to take him. When he was still a little dude, we went to the uh, to the big house for the 2016 Michigan uh, season opener against Hawaii, and kid was just so freaking stoked. And the enthusiasm, I've got videos of that moment. It's an all-time favorite dad moment. I remember for me, as a kid, the first time walking into the original Tiger Stadium uh, for a game against the Milwaukee Brewers. I was 10 years old. It was the 1984 season. That was the first, that was a World Series winning team. The first time I ever went, and just seeing what it was like after watching it on TV so many times. In terms of the quality of the game, uh, I went with an old buddy of mine for the 1995 Michigan-Virginia Pigskin Kickoff Classic. And Michigan was down 17 to nothing. It was a, it was August 26th and 7,000 degrees. We decide to maybe eject, stop and, and go into the air-conditioned M-Den on the way out of the stadium. And then just as we're about to walk out and there's no new entry – the crowd starts going wild, you know? And so we're like, I don't know, maybe Michigan scored. And then, uh, you know, it's, but we, we stopped to get something to drink for the long walk back to the car. And then the crowd and the fight song starts up again a few minutes later. Like, okay, they just scored again. We got to race back to our seats. And we raced back to our seats just in time to see uh, Mercury Hayes catch that pass on the final play of the game. That was the still to this or was it used to be. It's not anymore. The biggest comeback in, in Michigan football history at the time. So those would be for me, the three. Yeah, the the first Packer game I ever went to was because my wife uh, then, gosh, we didn't have kids, and I think we were already married by that time, uh, but surprised me with tickets, and we went in freezing cold weather and had a blast. Uh, there's that. There's and this uh, back when uh, it, I was in high school at the Field House in Wisconsin before the Badger basketball was anything. They, and Steve knows this. I'm not rubbing this in, but I it's the feeling of being there when we beat Michigan. Uh, the year they won the national championship, Romeo Robinson, Glenn Rice, and that place was shaking, the, the, the building. I mean, just out of control. But the greatest one I think ever was my senior year of college, uh, the Badger uh, football team. I, we went out to Pasadena. They won the Rose Bowl. I was in the corner of the end zone where Daryl Bevel made his impossible sprint to glory. Uh, that, that's probably the one. 
Goodness, um, I, I don't know. I, I think one of the best moments uh, was probably the first time I walked into Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, it was a uh, we had to fight a blizzard to get there, and finally walked in there. And and the way that stadium is designed, uh, it, there can be maybe half half to seventy five percent full, and it is still loud in there. But I think my fr- my favorite sporting event ever was the twenty sixteen Iowa Iowa State game. It was, I think, the last one started or scheduled to begin uh, at night. And uh, it was a black and gold blowout. Uh, Just beautiful, beautiful evening. And uh, Iowa ended up winning like 45 to 3 or something like that. It was was fun. I think that was Matt Campbell's first year. But uh, that that was a fun, fun environment. Plus, I had tickets like, I don't know, seven, eight rows back, (laughs) too. So that was. That was uh, that was quite the thing. Uh, hmm. Question number two, if I can pull it up here, what's a fantasy sport that doesn't exist but need to, and how would it work? Hmm, that's a good question. How about how about fantasy movie box office? Where you like draft movies and stuff and try to gauge, and you and, and there's got to be a price tag on them, so you can't just draft every Marvel film, right? You have to fit it in with the like a salary cap. But trying to do it with with you know gauging how movies will perform and be successful at the box office, I think that could be fun. Two of my favorite things: fantasy sports and movies. Merging those together, I could be down with that. Fantasy uh, name, image, and likeness goes bad. I like the fact that Todd is so damn stubborn that even though his daughter is about to walk into a major university to take advantage of name, image, and likeness, he still wants it to fail. God bless you, brother. That's God not, bless you. It's not a want. I just have eyes to see it's and a need. ears to hear. It's not a want. It's a need. He, he needs it to fail. He needs it to. Yes. We have a live chat feature on the Blaze TV website for our listeners and viewers to be able to, to chat with one another during our shows. I think we should implement like a live... I don't know betting feature for the show, to, for, for and it's and it's um, specific for each show. I think Pat Gray has bingo. Uh, we could have yeah. daysisms. So um, <laughs> you know, uh, one point five the over under on uh, don't give a rat's petunia. Uh, we could do you know uh, yes. We could do prop bets on how many time uh, Steve says. Um, smarter than the average things like that that we need to implement into the the blaze live stream i think that would be Mm -hmm. a lot of fun question three if you had to get lost in another country what country would it be and why i've thought about this question a lot and i don't this is maybe the most terrifying question i've ever asked okay to get lost yeah and you got to find your way back somehow i mean i just the idea of even being in another country okay i am the ugly american guys the idea of, of of knowing where I'm going in another country, I'm not really all that keen on. And by the way, we're, we're gonna we're gonna eliminate North America. For I, w- this. I want to be lost. Oh, wow! In the lost country of Sweden. <laughs> That's a great answer. I'm I'm told for once, dude. I'm riding your coattails. There you go. Okay. Come no, on, I'm gonna, board. I'm gonna go with Sweden. I'm, Come I'm on. Not, you know, word to your mother on that one. I'm we, in. Yes. We got to do the the Dace book tour in Sweden. <laughs> Basically anywhere in Western Europe, I, I think they're not going to kill you or put you in jail yet. I think Are I, you sure I, about that? Yeah. yeah. They're not going to kill you or put you in jail yet. 
I, I kind of thought about answering Australia or New Zealand just simply because if you're lost, no one's getting your way to figure out where you need to go, right? True. Everybody's in their homes. Everybody's True. locked down. You, you kind of have the streets and everything to yourself. Let's, you know, you kind of take your time. No real traffic pressure there. What do you think? Yeah. If you were dropped into the middle of China, though, and you had to find your way back out, I mean, how are you going to do that? You're done. You're screwed. Yeah. See, this is why I am, I'm the ugly American. I, I am terrified at the prospect of even being in these other countries. Terrified at the prospect. Makes sense. That's it for uh, three non-political questions. So, Todd, how often uh, are we, you going to be going down to uh, Arkansas now? Yeah. Well, this is so much easier than 20 years ago. I mean, you can watch almost all of these games on the you know ESPN Plus, SEC mm-hmm. Network. It's going to be incredible. So uh, that alleviates some pressure. But, yeah, we're going to do everything we can to get down to – I mean, there's three seasons. I mean, there's the fall soccer season, there's the winter indoor track season, and there's the spring outdoor track season. Uh so yeah, they'll, I'm sure there'll be a couple long weekend requests uh, to the guy there uh, on the screen in the biggest square, and hopefully he'll oblige. Yeah, I, I was telling you the other day. So Twitter has these like topics that they suggest for you to follow, and then a, a, an example of a tweet under that topic. I don't even follow your daughter on Twitter. I, I got into work the other day, got on Twitter, and I saw in the NCAA track and field the featured tweet was Ainsley's announcement, which I thought was. Pretty odd that wow. Twitter was promoting that, but pretty cool. And thanks to all the people down there in Arkansas uh, and Oklahoma as well, Oklahoma State. The people there were great. Um, that, that was her other finalist. But people have been reaching out to me and saying, hey, if she ever needs anything, here, they gave me their phone number and said, I'll help out in any way I can. So God bless all of you. Do we know what we're doing the overtime here in a minute? No. No, we do not. Aaron and I talked a All little right. bit about it, but it depends on whether yeah, right. we want to rage or not. So I guess everybody will find out when we do. Yes. Uh, when we post it later today at blazetv.com slash dace. We'll stick around to the overtime for our Blaze TV subscribers at blazetv.com slash dace. Who's on the dace group tomorrow? Oh, here's a question we should ask. Uh, t- t- uh, tomorrow it's uh, Shannon Joy, who just got her, t- okay. her case tossed out. Um, is the administration more afraid of Nicki Minaj or red states. Oh, I think it's Nicki Minaj easily, easily. All right. I Maybe like we should talk she about speaks, that. She speaks fluent regime. She's a regime-approved entertainment. I think it's Nicki Minaj easily. Yeah, you bet. I mean, she's about to become a black white supremacist here, like Larry Elder here in about <laughs> ten minutes, probably. All right, that'll do it for today's program. We're back at it again tomorrow, noon to two Eastern, right after Hall of Famer Glenn Beck. Until then, John three seventeen. This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.